0: Chapter Fourteen of Ten Years Later. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philip Griffiths. Ten Years Later by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter Fourteen A Surprise for Raoul. Madame's marriage was celebrated in the chapel of the Palais Royal, in the presence of a crowd of courtiers who had been most scrupulously selected. However, notwithstanding the marked favor which an invitation indicated, Raoul, faithful to his promise to Malicorne, who was so anxious to witness the ceremony, obtained admission for him. After he had fulfilled this engagement, Raoul approached De Guiche, who, as if in contrast with his magnificent costume, exhibited a countenance so utterly dejected that the Duke of Buckingham was the only one present who could contend with him as far as pallor and discomfiture were concerned. "'Take care, Count,' said Raoul, approaching his friend, and preparing to support him at the moment the archbishop blessed the married couple. In fact, the Prince de Conde was attentively scrutinising these two images of desolation standing like caryatides on either side of the nave of the church the count after that kept a more careful watch over himself at the termination of the ceremony the king and queen passed onward towards the grand reception room where madame and her suite were to be presented to them it was remarked that the king who had seemed more than surprised at his sister-in-law's appearance was most flattering in his compliments to her Again it was remarked that the Queen Mother, fixing a long and thoughtful gaze upon Buckingham, leaned towards Madame de Montville, as though to ask her, Do you not see how much he resembles his father? And finally it was remarked that Monsieur watched everybody, and seemed quite discontented. After the reception of the Princess and Ambassadors, Monsieur solicited the King's permission to present to him as well as to Madame. THE PERSONS BELONGING TO THEIR NEW HOUSEHOLD. "'Are you aware, Vicomte? inquired the Prince-de-Cond of Raoul. "'Whether the household has been selected by a person of taste, "'and whether there are any faces worth looking at?' "'I have not the slightest idea, Monseigneur,' replied Raoul. "'You affect ignorance, surely.' "'In what way, Monseigneur?' "'You are a friend of de Guiche, who is one of the friends of the Prince.' That may be so, Monseigneur, but the matter, having no interest whatever for me, I have never questioned de Guiche on the subject, and de Guiche, on his part, never having been questioned, did not communicate any particulars to me. But Manicamp? It is true, I saw Manicamp at La Havre, and during the journey here, but I was no more inquisitive with him than I had been towards de Guiche. "'Besides, is it likely that Manicomp should know anything of such matters? "'For he is a person of only secondary importance.' "'My dear Vicomte, do you not know better than that?' said the prince. "'Why, it is these persons of secondary importance who, on such occasions, have all the influence. "'And the truth is that nearly everything has been done through Manicomp's presentations to de Guiche, "'and through de Guiche to Monsieur.' i assure you monseigneur i was ignorant of that said raoul and what your highness does me the honour to impart is perfectly new to me i will most readily believe you although it seems incredible besides we shall not have long to wait see the flying squadron is advancing as good queen catherine used to say ah ah what pretty faces a bevy of young girls at this moment entered the salon conducted by madame de and to Manicompe's credit, be it said, if indeed he had taken that part in their selection which the Prince de Conde assigned him, it was a display calculated to dazzle those who, like the Prince, could appreciate every character and style of beauty. A young fair-complexioned girl from twenty to one-and-twenty years of age, and whose large blue eyes flashed as she opened them in the most dazzling manner, walked at the head of the band, and was the first presented. Mademoiselle de tonnay Charlent, said madame de Navalier to monsieur who as he saluted his wife repeated madame de tonnay Charlent. ah ah said the prince de Conde to raoul she is presentable enough yes said raoul but has she not a somewhat haughty style bah we know these airs very well vicomte three months hence she will be tame enough but look there indeed is a pretty face yes said raoul and one i am acquainted with mademoiselle or de montalais said madame de navayer the name and christian name were carefully repeated by monsieur great heavens exclaimed raoul fixing his bewildered gaze upon the entrance doorway what's the matter inquired the prince was it mademoiselle or de montalais who made you utter such a great heavens "'No, Monseigneur, no,' replied Raoul, pale and trembling. "'Well, then, if it be not Mademoiselle Aure de Montalais, "'it is that pretty blonde who follows her. "'What beautiful eyes! "'She is rather thin, but has fascinations without number. "'Mademoiselle de la Baume Le Blanc de la Valliere,' "'said Madame de Navayer. "'And as his name resounded through his whole being, "'a cloud seemed to rise from his breast to his eyes.' so that he neither saw nor heard anything more. And the prince, finding him nothing more than a mere echo which remained silent under his railleries, moved forward to inspect somewhat closer the beautiful girls whom his first glance had already particularised. Louise here, Louise, a maid of honour to madame, murmured Raoul, and his eyes, which did not suffice to satisfy his reason, wandered from Louise de Montalais. The latter had already emancipated herself from her assumed timidity, which she only needed for the presentation and for her references. Mademoiselle de Montalais, from the corner of the room to which she had retired, was looking with no slight confidence at the different persons present and having discovered Raoul, she amused herself with the profound astonishment which her own and her friend's presence there caused the unhappy lover, her waggish and malicious look which Raoul tried to avoid meeting, and which yet he sought inquiringly from time to time, placed him on the rack. As for Louise, whether from natural timidity or some other reason for which Raoul could not account, she kept her eyes constantly cast down, intimidated, dazzled, and with impeded respiration, she withdrew herself as much as possible aside, unaffected even by the nudges Montalais gave her with her elbow. The whole scene was a perfect enigma for Raoul, the key to which he would have given anything to obtain, But no one was there who could assist him, not even Malicorne, who, a little uneasy at finding himself in the presence of so many persons of good birth, and not a little discouraged by Montalais's bantering glances, had described a circle, and by degrees succeeded in getting a few paces from the prince, behind the group of maids of honour, and nearly within reach of mademoiselle orr's voice she being the planet around which he as her attendant satellite seemed constrained to gravitate as he recovered his self-possession raoul fancied he recognized voices on his right-hand side that were familiar to him and he perceived de wardes de guiche and the chevalier de lorraine conversing together It is true they were talking in tones so low that the sound of their words could hardly be heard in the vast apartment. To speak in that manner from any particular place without bending down or turning round, or looking at the person with whom one may be engaged in conversation, is a talent that cannot be immediately acquired by newcomers. Long study is needed for such conversations which, without a look, gesture or movement of the head, seemed like the conversation of a group of statues in fact the kings and queens grand assemblies while their majesties were speaking and while everyone present seemed to be listening in the midst of the most profound silence some of these noiseless conversations took place in which adulation was not the prevailing feature but raoul was one among others exceedingly clever in this art so much a matter of etiquette that from the movement of the lips he was often able to guess the sense of the words who is that montalais inquired towards and that la valiere what country town have we had sent here montalais said the chevalier oh i know her she is a good sort of girl whom we shall find amusing enough la Valliere is a charming girl slightly lame ah bah said towards do not be absurd towards, there are some very characteristic and ingenious latin axioms about lame ladies gentlemen gentlemen said de guiche looking at raoul with uneasiness be a little careful i entreat you but the uneasiness of the count in appearance at least was not needed raoul had preserved the firmest and most indifferent countenance although he had not lost a word that passed he seemed to keep an account of the insolence and license of the two speakers in order to settle matters with them at the earliest opportunity. De Wardes seemed to guess what was passing in his mind and continued, Who are these young ladies' lovers? Montalais's lover, said the Chevalier. Yes, Montalais first. You, I, or De Guiche, whoever likes, in fact. And the other? mademoiselle de la Valliere, yes take care gentlemen exclaimed de guiche anxious to put a stop to the chevalier's reply take care madame is listening to us raoul had thrust his hand up to the wrist into his juste corps in great agitation but the very malignity which he saw was excited against these poor girls made him take a serious resolution poor louise he thought has come here only with an honourable object in view, and under honourable protection, and I must learn what that object is which she has in view, and who it is that protects her. And following Malicorne's manoeuvre he made his way towards the group of the Maids of Honour. The presentations were soon over. The King, who had done nothing but look at and admire Madame, shortly afterward left the reception room, accompanied by the two queens. The Chevalier de Lorraine resumed his place beside Monsieur, and, as he accompanied him, insinuated a few drops of the venom he had collected during the last hour, while looking at some of the faces in the court, and suspecting that some of their hearts might be happy. A few of the persons present followed the King as he quitted the apartment, but such of the courtiers who assumed an independence of character, and professed a gallantry of disposition began to approach the ladies of the court. The prince paid his compliments to Mademoiselle de tonnet Charlent. Buckingham devoted himself to Madame Chalet and Mademoiselle de Lafayette, whom Madame already distinguished by her notice, and whom she held in high regard. As for the Comte de Guiche, who had abandoned Monsieur as soon as he could approach Madame alone, he conversed with great animation with Madame de Valentinois and with Mademoiselle de Croquet and de Chantillon. Amid these varied political and amorous interests, Malicorne was anxious to gain Montalais's attention, but the latter preferred talking with Raoul, even if it were only to amuse herself with his innumerable questions and his astonishment. Raoul had gone directly to Mademoiselle de la Valliere, and had saluted her with the profoundest respect, at which Louise blushed and could not say a word montalais however hurried to her assistance well monsieur le vicomte here we are you see i do indeed see you said raoul smiling and it is exactly because you are here that i wish to ask for some explanation Malicorne approached the group with his most fascinating smile go away Malicorne! really you are exceedingly indiscreet at this remark Malicorne bit his lips and retired a few steps without making any reply his smile however changed its expression and from its former frankness became mocking in its expression you wished for an explanation monsieur raoul inquired montalais it is surely worth one i think mademoiselle de la Valliere is a maid of honour to madame why should she not be a maid of honour as well as myself inquired montalais pray accept my compliments young ladies said raoul who fancied he perceived they were not disposed to answer him in a direct manner. Your remark was not made in a very complimentary manner, Vicomte. Mine? Certainly. I appeal to Louise. Monsieur de Bragelonne probably thinks their position is above my condition, said Louise hesitatingly. Assuredly not, replied Raoul eagerly. YOU KNOW VERY WELL THAT SUCH IS NOT MY FEELING. WERE YOU CALLED UPON TO OCCUPY A QUEEN'S THRONE I SHOULD NOT BE SURPRISED. HOW MUCH GREATER REASON THEN SUCH A POSITION AS THIS. THE ONLY CIRCUMSTANCE THAT AMAZES ME IS THAT I SHOULD HAVE LEARNED IT ONLY TODAY, AND THAT BY THE MEREST ACCIDENT. THAT IS TRUE, REPLIED Montalais WITH HER USUAL GIDDINESS. YOU KNOW NOTHING ABOUT IT, AND THERE IS NO REASON YOU SHOULD. Monsieur DE BRAGELON HAD WRITTEN SEVERAL LETTERS TO YOU, but your mother was the only person who remained behind at Blois, and it was necessary to prevent those letters from falling into her hands. I intercepted them and returned them to Monsieur Raoul, so that he believed you were still at Blois while you were here in Paris, and had no idea whatever, indeed, how high you had risen in rank. Did you not inform Monsieur Raoul as I begged you to do? Why should I? To give him the opportunity of making some of his severe remarks and moral reflections and to undo what we have had so much trouble in effecting certainly not am i so very severe then said raoul inquiringly besides said Montalais, it is sufficient to say that it suited me i was about setting off for paris you were away louise was weeping her eyes out interpret that as you please I begged a friend, a protector of mine, who had obtained the appointment for me, to solicit one for Louise. The appointment arrived. Louise left in order to get her costume prepared. As I had my own ready, I remained behind. I received your letters and returned them to you, adding a few words promising you a surprise. Your surprise is before you, monsieur, and seems to be a fair one enough. You have nothing more to ask. Come, monsieur Malicorne it is now time to leave these young people together they have many things to talk about give me your hand i trust that you appreciate the honour conferred upon you monsieur forgive me said raoul arresting the giddy girl and giving to his voice an intonation the gravity of which contrasted with that of montalais forgive me but may i inquire the name of the protector you speak of for if protection be extended towards you mademoiselle de montalais "'for which indeed so many reasons exist,' added Raoul, bowing. "'I do not see that the same reasons exist "'why Mademoiselle de la Valliere should be similarly cared for.' "'But, Monsieur Raoul,' said Louise innocently, "'there is no difference in the matter, "'and I do not see why I should not tell it to you myself. "'It was Monsieur Malicorne who obtained it for me.' "'Raoul remained for a moment almost stupefied.' "'asking himself if they were trifling with him. "'He then turned round to interrogate Malicorne, "'but he had been hurried away by Montalais "'and was already at some distance from them. Mademoiselle de la Valliere attempted to follow her friend, "'but Raoul, with gentle authority, detained her. "'Louise, one word, I beg?' "'But, Monsieur Raoul,' said Louise, blushing, "'we are alone. Everyone has left.' They will become anxious and will be looking for us. Fear nothing, said the young man, smiling. We are neither of us of sufficient importance for our absence to be remarked. But I have my duty to perform, Monsieur Raoul. Do not be alarmed. I am acquainted with these usages of the court. You will not be on duty until tomorrow. A few minutes are at your disposal, which will enable you to give me the information I am about to have the honour to ask you for how serious you are monsieur raoul said louise because the circumstances are serious are you listening i am listening i would only repeat monsieur that we are quite alone you're right said raoul and offering her his hand he led the young girl into the gallery adjoining the reception room the windows of which looked out upon the courtyard Every one hurried towards the middle window, which had a balcony outside, from which all the details of the slow and formal preparations for departure could be seen. Raoul opened one of the side windows, and then, being alone with Louise, said to her, You know, Louise, that from my childhood I have regarded you as my sister, as one who has been the confidante of all my troubles, to whom I have entrusted all my hopes yes monsieur raoul she answered softly yes monsieur raoul i know that you used on your side to show the same friendship towards me and had the same confidence in me why have you not on this occasion been my friend why have you shown suspicion of me mademoiselle de la Valliere did not answer i fondly thought you loved me said raoul whose voice became more and more agitated i fondly thought you consented to all the plans we had together laid down for our own happiness at the time when we wandered up and down the walks of courchevernay under the avenue of poplar trees leading to blois you do not answer me louise is it possible he inquired breathing with difficulty that you no longer love me i did not say so replied louise softly Oh, tell me the truth, I implore you. All my hopes in life are centred in you. I chose you for your gentle and simple tastes. Do not suffer yourself to be dazzled, Louise, now that you are in the midst of a court where all that is pure too soon becomes corrupt, where all that is young too soon grows old. Louise, close your ears so as not to hear what may be said shut your eyes so as not to see the examples before you shut your lips that you may not inhale the corrupting influences about you without falsehood or subterfuge louise am i to believe what mademoiselle de montalais stated louise did you come to paris because i was no longer at blois la valliere blushed and concealed her face in her hands yes it was so then exclaimed raoul delightedly that was then your reason for coming here i love you as i never yet loved you thanks louise for this devotion but measures must be taken to place you beyond all insult to shield you from every lure louise a maid of honour in the court of a young princess in these days of free manners and inconstant affections "'A maid of honour is placed as an object of attack "'without having any means of defence afforded her. "'This state of things cannot continue. "'You must be married in order to be respected.' "'Married?' "'Yes. Here is my hand, Louise. "'Will you place yours within it?' "'But your father?' "'My father leaves me perfectly free.' "'Yet?' "'I understand your scruples, Louise.' I will consult my father reflect monsieur raoul wait wait it is impossible reflect louise when you are concerned it would be insulting give me your hand dear louise i am my own master my father will consent i know give me your hand do not keep me waiting thus one word in answer one word only if not, I shall begin to think that, in order to change you for ever, nothing more was needed than a single step in the palace, a single breath of favour, a smile from the queen, a look from the king. Raoul had no sooner pronounced this latter word than La Valliere became as pale as death, no doubt from fear at seeing the young man excite himself. With a movement as rapid as thought, she placed both her hands in those of Raoul, and then fled without adding a syllable disappearing without casting a look behind her raoul felt his whole frame tremble at the contact of her hand he received the compact as a solemn bargain wrung by affection from her childlike timidity chapter fourteen